Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about primary biliary cholangitis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash primary biliary cholangitis, or in the gastroenterology section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Primary biliary cholangitis is an autoimmune condition where the immune system attacks the small bile ducts in the liver, resulting in obstructive jaundice and liver disease. It was previously known as primary biliary cirrhosis. Let's talk about the pathophysiology. Primary biliary cholangitis affects the small bile ducts inside the liver, the intrahepatic ducts. There is inflammation and damage to the epithelial cells of the bile ducts, which are the cholangiocytes. These are the cells that line the inside of the ducts. Over time, this can lead to obstruction of the flow of bile through the ducts. Reduced bile flow is called cholestasis. The back pressure of bile and the overall disease process ultimately leads to liver fibrosis or scarring, cirrhosis and then liver failure. Normally, bile acids, bilirubin and cholesterol are excreted through the bile ducts into the intestines. When obstruction to the outflow of these chemicals means that they're not excreted, they build up in the blood. Raised bile acids cause itching and raised bilirubin causes jaundice. Raised cholesterol causes cholesterol deposits in the skin which are called xanthelasma. Xanthomas are larger nodular deposits of cholesterol in the skin and the tendons. Raised cholesterol increases the risk of atherosclerosis and cardiovascular disease. Bile acids help with the digestion of fats when they're in the intestine. Reduced or absent bile acids in the gastrointestinal tract causes abdominal symptoms, malabsorption of fat and fat-soluble vitamins, and greasy stools. Bilirubin is responsible for the darker colour of stools, and a lack of bilirubin results in pale stools. This bilirubin is excreted via the urine instead of in the bile and this causes dark urine. So patients with obstructive jaundice have yellowing of the skin due to high bilirubin concentrations in the blood, pale stools due to a lack of bilirubin in the stools and dark urine due to bilirubin being excreted in the urine. Next let's talk about the presentation. The typical patient with primary biliary cholangitis is a white woman aged 40 to 60 years old. Often patients are asymptomatic at diagnosis with the problem picked up on abnormal liver function tests which are done for some other reason. However, patients may present with fatigue, pruritus which is itching of the skin, gastrointestinal symptoms and abdominal pain, jaundice, pale, greasy, fatty stools, and dark urine. On examination, there may be xanthoma and xanthelasma, which are cholesterol deposits in the skin and tendons, excoriations, which are scratches on the skin due to itching, 
hepatomegaly or an enlarged liver on palpation of the abdomen and signs of liver cirrhosis and portal hypertension in end-stage disease, for example, splenomegaly and ascites. Next, let's talk about the investigations. Liver function tests show a raised alkaline phosphatase. Remember, alkaline phosphatase, or ALP, is the most notable rising enzyme that occurs with obstructive pathology when there's some sort of obstruction to outflow of the biliary system. Other liver enzymes and bilirubin are raised later in the disease process. Autoantibodies that are relevant to primary biliary cholangitis are antimitochondrial antibodies, or AMA, and these are the most specific to primary biliary cholangitis and they form part of the diagnostic criteria and also anti-nuclear antibodies, or ANA, which are present in about 35% of patients. A raised immunoglobulin M, or IgM, is a non-specific finding in the condition. Ultrasound does not show any specific changes with primary biliary cholangitis, but it can be used to help exclude other pathology. A liver biopsy may be used in diagnosing and staging the disease. A Tom tip for you, the two results for primary biliary cholangitis to remember are anti-mitochondrial antibodies and alkaline phosphatase. In your exams, a middle-aged white woman presenting with itching, a positive anti-mitochondrial antibodies and a raised alkaline phosphatase almost certainly has primary biliary cholangitis. Next, let's talk about treatment. Ursodeoxycholic acid is the most essential treatment to remember in primary biliary cholangitis. Ursodeoxycholic acid is a non-toxic hydrophilic bile acid that protects the cholangiocytes from inflammation and damage. It makes the bile less harmful to the epithelial cells of the bile ducts. Ursodeoxycholic acid actually slows the disease progression and improves outcomes. Other treatments include obeticholic acid, where ursodeoxycholic acid is inadequate or not tolerated, although obeticholic acid can have significant adverse effects, so is less preferable. Cholesteramine for the symptoms of itching or pruritus, and cholesteramine is a bile acid sequestrant that reduces intestinal absorption of bile acids, so it helps reduce the bile acid concentration in the blood. Replacement of fat soluble vitamins. Immunosuppression, for example, with steroids, may be considered in some patients, and liver transplant can be considered in end stage liver disease. So finally, let's talk about disease progression. Disease course and the symptoms vary significantly. Some people live for decades without any symptoms. The most crucial result is liver cirrhosis and the associated complications, for example, portal hypertension and hepatocellular carcinoma. Other complications and associations include fat-soluble vitamin deficiency, and the fat-soluble vitamins are A, D, E, and K, osteoporosis, 
hyperlipidemia with a raised cholesterol, Sjogren's syndrome, which includes dry eyes, dry mouth and vaginal dryness, connective tissue diseases, for example systemic sclerosis, and thyroid disease. So thanks for listening to this episode on primary biliary cholangitis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about primary sclerosing cholangitis.